Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Here in your bedroom, Goldfinger on the world famous K Rock. It's Kevin Kenny. We've got the man himself, John Feldman. Yes, yes, yes. Live in thanks studio. Thanks for having me. Dude, thanks for coming all the way down here. Good to see you, Kevin. Yeah, this is. Yeah, all the way from Calabasas, or is my. Um... <laughs> My friend from Beartooth first came to visit Caleb. He's like, it's such a lovely city you live in, Calabasas. Calabasas. So, all the way from Calabasas. I made it. <laughs> you made it in. Yeah. Now, we just played, of course, here in your bedroom, a classic Goldfinger song, and we're here at K-Rock. You have such a lineage and a history with the station here. What are your memories, your your first memories ever of hearing that on K-Rock? Oh, man. I mean, it's like, that's probably the second album I ever bought was Rodney on the Rock, Volume 1, which had every punk band, I mean, Circle Jerks and Black Flag and every great you know, Southern California punk band. And so K-Rock for me is such like, it's so much history in my blood. And so, I mean, as the story goes, we played South by Southwest in front of 30 kids. And that was it, 30 kids, but they were just going ballistic. And there was two guys there. One guy that was booking the Sex Pistols tour. So we got the Sex Pistols tour because of that one show. And Kevin Weatherly was there. And he added us like 38 times a week. He started playing us and I was still selling shoes. Yeah. Like I got my record deal because I was selling shoes on the promenade at Nana, right? And I slipped my demo tape in a pair of nine and a half Oxblood Doc Martens and I got my, that's how I got signed to Mojo Records. And it's like, I'm still working at the shoe store and I hear my song here in your bedroom on the radio 38 times. I mean, I couldn't not hear it. What does that feel like though when you're working at a shoe store and then you got it on over the PA system and it's your song? Dude, it was the best feeling ever. <laughs> I was in my, I had this $100 Dodge Colt I bought from my grandma's best friend. It had this like fuzzy steering wheel around it that I ripped off. So it was all the glue and it would be like 100 degrees in the valley in summer and I would just, my hands would stick to it and it would just be like <laughs> sticky and, and then I just just turn on K-Rock and you hear it in my little terrible, you know, sound system. But I was just, I mean, I remember I pulled over yeah. and just going crazy, singing along. It was the best. That's, the best. That's incredible. I was, so Muggs here, the producer is upstairs that helped you in today. He uh, printed out a bunch of like John Feldman facts. And there's so many things that I thought I was a John Feldman student. But uh, is this true that uh, Tommy Lee co-produced your debut album? Tommy Lee produced the Electric Love Hogs, which was my band before this. So how does that happen? How do you meet Tommy Lee? Tommy just was a fan of the band and he's like, you have to let me produce. And he was the greatest. And I learned so, cause I'm a producer now. Yeah. I learned so much. The guy would just be in the studio. So just jacked on life. I mean, he was the greatest and he would just sit there and he'd light his farts on fire. <laughs> and I would, we would just laugh hysterically till four in the morning making music. It, it just, what it did for me 
is it allowed me to have fun in the studio when I was I was so nervous making yeah. that album, my first album ever, you know, on two on two inch reel to reel. It was like, and this guy just made it so. And we went hung out with Heather Locke there at his house in Westlake Village, and it was oh, just crazy. like I felt like, what is going on? Yeah, it was what like a is universe? I was just at a shoe store. Yeah. Um. Well, so did you just meet him out one night in L.A. or do you remember first meeting? I remember Tommy? we showcased for him at um some. Uh, some uh, old nightclub that doesn't exist anymore, yeah. like Coconut Teasers, just him in the audience, us playing to him. And it was like... Talk about nerves. Yeah, it was it was crazy, but it, we, we killed it and he loved us. That's crazy. We got a lot more with John Feldman. We're going to play some of the tracks that he has worked on, he has played over the course of the next hour. We are live on K-Rock. It's the world-famous K-Rock. Kevin Kenny, we are live with John Feldman. Yes, hello. Maslin and Hi. Wilshire. So if you uh, drive by, give us the finger and we'll wave back. <laughs> um, we're about to get into a Blink-182 song. It's Mark Hoppus's 50th birthday, huge milestone. Yeah, happy birthday, happy to birthday Mark. Mark. Congratulations. Now, when do you first meet Blink? You did California. You produced that record with them, but you guys must go back like how many years? Um, so Travis was in the Aquabats when I first met Travis, and then Scott was still in the band. Blink opened for Goldfinger on a Snowcore tour. It oh, was wow. Real Big Fish, Blink-182, and Goldfinger. What's like, Snowcore? Snowcore was like a snowboarding tour. Like We just hit all these like mountain resorts. Oh, that's awesome. It was like... Uh, Kevin Lyman put it on from Warp Tour. It was okay. amazing. Just amazing. We were just snowboard all day and then play shows at night, you know, in front of like, you know, two, 3,000 kids. And Blink was the opening act. And Tom and Mark were so nice to us. They were just the sweetest guys. So I met them then. And then when the Aquabats came on tour, like Travis would ride on our bus to our, you know, our drummer would get so bummed because our drummer. <laughs> at the time just knew Travis was king I mean he's the goat of you know so even then when he's in the Aquabats and he's so young and he's so new to the scene you can already recognize like this guy's another level dude he would set up like on the floor when we would be doing sound check he would set up and be doing these rudiments that I'm like how is this kid able to do this like just the greatest of all time this kid so he'd ride on a bus we talk about girls and the descendants and just everything and we became super tight back then and then we kind of you know got in and out of each other's lives and then he hit me up on twitter you know and just says hey man what are you doing meet me at crossroads my restaurant and i just went showed up and then it was it was skiba hoppus and travis just sitting there in a booth and we just talked and went and listened to a bunch of songs we wrote bored to death that day wow which was the first song on on that album that we just like we just wrote it that day and we're like let's go let's just keep going mugs let's play bored to death we have do we have that in the in the k-rock catalog yeah, yeah. Let's get into that next. But so, so you got to tell this story because the first day, I mean, oh yeah, we yeah. were just talking on K Rock five minutes ago about how Tommy Lee co-produced your first album and how he, you know, really like let you open up and let you feel free in the studio. And you took a little bit of a different route in terms of uh, some levity with California. What did oh, you do yeah, the yeah. first day? I think it was day three. I think okay. I think I needed I needed a second just to. Get, I mean, I'd only met Matt Skiba once, and so like, but it was like day three. I just showed up naked in the studio, <laughs> and Hoppus was just so like, I don't know. He he was just very. Very, you know, mature. He's like, whatever. And, and, and Skiba was just cracking. I mean, Skiba and Travis were just like, what's going on? It was, it was epic. Setting just an epic day because I'm hung like a mosquito. <laughs> So keep that in mind, that visual that Feldman just uh, shared with us on k As you listen to this, it's bored to death, Blink-182. 
we've been talking about you know some of these before and after moments in your life, hearing your song on K-Rock for the first time and meeting Blink for the first time. I got to ask you about the Tony Hawk moment. And it's very well documented in the, is it Searching for Superman? Is that the name uh, of the documentary? <laughs> I think it's Searching for Superman. It's on It's on uh, Amazon. You probably get it everywhere now, but I think it initially was on Amazon. It's such a great documentary if you grew up playing the video game and of course are familiar with you know Superman, the song that kicks yeah, it all yeah, off. Yeah. But was what was that moment like for you before and after? That moment was like I was on tour with the Bloodhound Gang in England, in Leeds, like the first show was in Leeds, and we're just playing our set, and we played here in your bedroom, and people were not going off. I'm like, well, I guess radio's different in the UK, and we get halfway through, we get to Superman, and we played Superman the entire place, just, I mean, it was like probably 1,500 people in, in this circle pit, and I'm like, why is this happening to Superman? And then that night, I called the label, and I said, what's going on? They said, dude... Tony Hawk, you know, Pro Skater 1 just came out and it's in it. And that's like, I mean, he did as much for me as Kevin Weatherly did, Tony Hawk, just by putting that song in that first kind of like room that you go yep. into it's like I'm, I'm i'm in my suit like doing my little skanky dance or whatever yeah. it was and it just changed everything that song is now our, it's, it's our biggest song like whenever we play live it's like the last song we can't really go afterwards you know it's crazy how are you as a tony pro uh, tony hawk pro i'm terrible player? yeah i'm terrible <laughs> can you hit the 900 yeah the, the um our old drummer darren was like i mean every day he, he shredded that game yeah but i was always writing music i'm like i'm just gonna keep writing on the road that's all I did is just write music, you know? Yeah. And I met the used because that, that's what I was doing. I was on tour and I met the used in Salt Lake City. Bert came on so drunk. He threw a cassette of his band on into the lounge and our tour manager picked him up because he's he weighs like 80 pounds, you know, and <laughs> just threw him out the front door. And it's like the next day I listened to it and I'm like, dude, this is the greatest voice I've ever heard. He sounded like Michael Jackson meets, I don't know, like... The refused or something. It was just incredible at that voice. And I met Story of the Year because of that, you know. And Story of the Year, they gave me this VHS tape of like spraying. This guy was passed out with his shirt off and he had a hairy back. And they sprayed his entire back with Aquanet, his hairspray. <laughs> And they coated it, and then they lit it on fire, and that's how they woke him up. And they have it all on video. And I watched this videotape. I'm like, dude, I have to find, I have to find this band and sign them immediately. So, did you see the video before you heard the music? Or you I saw the, the video before I heard the music. Oh wow! Which is interesting because this day and age, it's like a lot of times. Video content is what turns, like, you know, my daughter's 13, Mila, she's like, and she'll introduce, she's introduced me to, you know, um, you know, all these bands like Beach Bunny and yeah. Surf Curse and yep. all these like cool indie bands. And it's like, so she's finding out a lot about these, even the neighborhoods, I'm yeah. finding out about these bands through content rather than music first, which is weird. Yeah. But it's, you know, some bands really, uh, they, they took that sort of like jackass era, like by the horns, like some 41 famously got signed. They worked that same exact demo right that eventually had a bidding war and they worked it just off the music and no one wanted anything to do with them and then they did like a jackass style prank video and every label from New York City like you know flew up to see him in Canada so yeah. it was uh, quite the era we're gonna play Until the Day I Die what do you remember about this song um, and this is the first song they played me and I'm like dude we have to record this immediately and I was working for Maverick Records Guy Osiri gave me my first shot as an A&R guy you know he really took me under his wing and 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 we signed Story of the Year together and it was like they, they did a showcase at the Viper Room and it was like the f- the five of us from the label you know it was Guy Osiri and a, you know, a bunch of other record execs and they, they were just doing I don't know if you've ever seen Story of the Year but they do backflips 
and they're oh, crazy. swinging their guitars around. They came in the in the audience and they were like, but even like with the use with their show, with their showcases, Bert would like literally throw up at the showcase, and it was like you couldn't. There were so many executives like, where where how can we sign this band? How can we sign them? You know, from just that kind of devotion to the yeah. live show. So I'm curious because we're gonna hear the 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 John Feldman produced version of T- Until the Day I Die. They play you the demo when you first hear it. So what do you do to the record? We just we just basically grew it and made it big. They have the song pretty much written. The guitar line was written. I rearranged it. I mean, I probably rearranged maybe fifteen percent of it. Okay. And then we just like produced it out. We added the big guitars, you know, the drums. This little room in my Marina del Rey house. It was just this tiny room, and it's like we just made this great record that just like translated. I still, whenever I play emo night, I play the song, and everyone's just oh, like, dude, it's one of those songs. All right. Now we get to listen to John's hard work. This is Until the Day I Die on K-Rock. You are listening to the John Feldman Power Hour. Yes. We're just re-running Let's through the hits going. right now. John it. Feldman live in studio here. We just played that song uh, from Story of the Year, which John produced that record. And then I want to play a song off of uh, the used... Um, was it their second, second. album? Second album. Yeah. Now you so you meet the muse or the, the used excuse me early on, and you do their first record, and it just it's like huge. The yes. Taste of Ink and all those records. So then when they decide, okay, we want to work with you again on the sophomore album. Yeah. As a producer, like, what's your mindset? Do you go, okay, I'm just going to listen to this band, whatever they want to do, or do you have ideas of like where you want to take the band? How does that work? That marriage. I mean, it's interesting because we went to England and we did all the string section in Olympic Studios, like where the Who recorded Who's Next and all these epic, like, just amazing. We because the budget's all, probably like huge now, right? Yeah, it's now a lot bigger we got than it was. all all this stuff. We have like anything we wanted, but I didn't want to make it like I didn't want to turn it into Sgt. Pepper's or like this Beatles album. I still wanted to keep the you know the essence of the band. And um, you know, all that I got was something that we did. I don't I don't know, maybe third or fourth song. And and Bert is like such a fan of the ballad. You know, he's yeah. like he's got this heavy side to him where he's just the first album. He used to have a bucket, you know, because he'd throw up. He'd like scream like maybe memory. He would just scream and it would just like, he'd throw up and I'm like, dude, how are you going to keep singing? Then he'd sing like, again, like Michael Jackson. He just had this voice and you know, all that I got, we, you know, um, I don't know. We, we just, we really spent about a week on that one song alone, like getting guitar sounds. And that was the thing about back then is like, you'd have these big record budgets and you could spend, I think we spent four months, five months on that album. And it was just amazing. We did a songwriting trip up to San Simeon and just recorded sound effects and overdramatics on the beach with an SM7 on my laptop top which back then people weren't making music on your laptop and yeah. it was it was amazing it was so fun now all that I've got I, I believe the lead single back in the day off the second album was that the song that you guys felt the strongest about or was the success of this song we're about to play a surprise I mean take Take It Away was the song that I thought was going to have legs but I mean it ended up being all that I got and the video is amazing and it, it was like so good because you know Bert I mean, pretty much discovered My Chemical Romance and him and Gerard were best friends back then. And he, Bert, got My Chemical Romance signed to Warner Brothers and Craig Aronson, God rest his soul, like he he begged me to produce the first My Chemical Romance record. And I felt... I just felt like I had, you know, um, I had the use and that they, they were my band. And I had, to, I, I felt like it would have split. It would have kind of tarnished my relationship with the band. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Is that a, now you've done so much in the world of music and your experience is so diverse, but you're still human. You must have regrets. Is that a regret of yours? Not working on that MCR record? Um, I mean, we did, um, what's the do, 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 do. What's that song? Um, the, the bit. 
Yeah, under pressure. Yeah, we did under pressure together, which which I had. You know, I got to work with my Chemical Romance for that, which was amazing. Right. But I mean, I don't know. Everything happens for a reason. I mean, there was a moment in my life where a manager of mine said, "Dude, it's like every everything's about Avicii and Steve Aoki. So you got to figure out how to become a DJ, right? DJ Felchman or whatever." <laughs> and I'm just like. No, and I just you know, I, you know, you you kind of like figure it out as you go, and yeah. I, I do believe everything happens for a reason. I'm and I'm tight with all the guys in my cam, but it wasn't meant to be. They made the record they were supposed to make. Yeah, totally. And so did the use. This is all that I've got live on K Rock. It's Kevin Kenny live on the world famous K Rock with John Feldman live in studio. Hello, and he's been very gracious with his time. He's almost been here an hour hanging out. Uh, now I think did we finally find a band that you have not crossed paths with? Jimmy Eat World. I've not worked with Jimmy Eat World, even though I love Jimmy Eat World. We the we, one we, band. Yeah, we hung out. I think at Pukel Pop at, at this festival in the, in in Europe like uh, two three years ago. And but I'm I'm friends with Jim. I'm mean, yeah. we're friends, but I haven't worked with him. Love them. We got to get them on the list. I mean, I'm looking at this list right now. All time low, five seconds of summer, good Charlotte, panic the disco, Beartooth, Biffy Clyro. Yes. The uh, best. Huge, huge in the UK. Yes. Uh, Corn 311, Black Veil Brides, Avril Lavigne, Ashley Simpson. Which, what did you work with Ashley on? I worked on two songs on Autobiography. On really? the first album, yeah. Were they singles? Um, were they like no, album cuts? No, they were not singles. But like, you know, be able to work with like, you know, Corn and Beartooth and oh, Hillary Duff and Ashley Simpson. Dude, the it's range pretty, is pretty, like... It's pretty cool. I was thinking too, like when we were talking about that that thing earlier, like when everything was going, kind of going, I'm like, what am, what am I going to do when Rock was dead and yeah. all that stuff, you know? And Five Seconds of Summer came along. I remember like one day just sitting in the studio when I first met those kids, they were 16 and 17 years old when I first started working with them. And, you know, I don't, I don't drink. I'm, you know, um, straight edge. And they were like, you know, when you used to drink, what happened? Like, did you ever get arrested? I'm like, uh, yeah. Did you ever get kicked out of school? I'm like, yeah. Did you ever get a drunk driving? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, did you ever hook up with a dude? I'm like, we got to get back to work right <laughs> we gotta now. we got to get back to work. <laughs> well, wait, you told me when I visited the studio a couple weeks ago, you told me some crazy story about the cops got called. Oh, yeah, that's right. So when we Try were to tell in, this like the radio safe version. Well, yeah, yeah. When I was living in Woodland Hills, um, we had a neighbor that just hated us because I had a studio outdoors and it was like, we don't, you know, when I was working five seconds of summer, there'd be 200 girls outside my house when they would be there. They'd follow them from the hotel. I mean, they had this rampant fan base. And so my neighbor one day called the cops and said, John Feldman is filming underage porn at his house <laughs> because all these girls are waiting to quote audition for his movies he's making. So the cops showed up and right when they showed up, the drummer Ashton came out of the studio dripping sweat with his shirt off and the cops were like, what's that guy doing? What is he doing in there? I'm like, dude, he's the drummer of this band, man. There's no, optically, yeah. yeah, it not was not great. a good Good luck. Um, you just told me an amazing story about working with Good Charlotte, and I bring it up because we're about to play this new one from Mod that we world premiered exclusively on K-Rock last week. I mean, it wasn't even out yet, and he was nice enough to bring it by for his birthday. Rich Kids Ruin Everything. And there's so much Good Charlotte DNA in this song. And you just told me an amazing story because Good Charlotte, maybe their biggest song, maybe you know, top two, three biggest songs, is the anthem. And if you grew up at a certain age and you're around my age, you know, that was like in Madden football that year. It was a huge video game song. 
And uh, you were just telling me that they were like kind of a little cold to laying that down back in the day. Yeah, I mean, the the initial, I mean, Benji was always like, he, he was really fired up about the riff that he had. He had written that guitar riff and stuff. And and Joel came in and he just, you know, the, the initial kind of vibe was like, I don't know if this is going to work for Good Charlotte. We're a pop punk band. Yeah. And this sounds like it's got all this hip hop influence with all the 808s and all that stuff. And he just wasn't sure about it. And it's just like, it just goes to show, it's even like with, with you know, the stories you hear about Blur with song number two, like he's right. like this, I'll never release this song. And it's like, you, you know, sometimes... You don't know what how an audience is going to react to something when you think you know what's best. But I mean, I was so grateful to be part of the, those sessions. I met those 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 kids when they first moved out here from Baltimore, and it was just like you know, I took them surfing, and they were just it was it was so great. The first time on a surfboard in Malibu, just like what are we doing? Shark <laughs> lost at sea. Um, well, let's talk really briefly about this mod song. I mean, we love it here at K Rock, and the listeners have responded. You know, in droves, it's a great song. We've played it a bunch this week. Uh, rich kids ruin everything. What can you say? about your role in this song um so i had written this uh i mean he was talking about all these you know taking back sunday and starting line and just kind of like making like a kind of a classic emo pop punk song and so i had written this track and you know he came in he's just like this is exactly it and he had the concept of rich kids ruin everything he's just like and he told me the whole story rich kids run everything and he crossed out the word and all that stuff you know and he had this vision and mod's like a visionary i mean the guy's like just he knows what he wants and he will not stop and until he gets it. I mean, he's such a legend and we're like brothers now. And, uh, you know, he just went in there and he just, you know, kind of wrote the whole, like all the melody, the whole thing, just kind of, he, he does stuff freestyle. He like channels the universe. Yeah. It's very bizarre to watch because I'm just sitting in there, takes his shirt off and then just, I just loop a verse and he'll just sing these melodies and lyrics and it'll just come. And all of a sudden I'll be like, that's the one, that's the one. And then we'll like, look back track three and be, and he'll just write it down. And that's the song. And that's how he writes. That's the song, and that's how it came out. The John Feldman produced Rich Kids Ruin Everything on K-Rock right now for Modson. Well, thanks so much for stopping by, man. And, of course, uh, you are the, like, the big noise boss over there. Yeah. The architect of the alternative sound, as I like to deem you. Thank you. And uh, you got a lot of great acts, of course, with Girlfriends and Mod and Tyler Posey. And <clears throat> the Rex, the, the Rex. Hughes, Goldfinger, yeah. It's awesome. It's Thank good you. stuff. We just signed this kid, Box Boy. He's amazing. You'll love him. Box Boy? Is yeah. it just B-O-X Boy? Yeah, that's it. Oh, we got to check it out. Epic. All right. John Feldman, turn us on to new music. Thanks so much, dude. Thank you. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero 
Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.